the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. We're talking innovation this week on the podcast. Specifically, I'm interested in how businesses are working around the current COVID restrictions and whether it's going to catalyze new ideas. Fair to say that traditional solutions have been put to the test over recent weeks, and in many cases, they've been found wanting. Could coronavirus spark a renaissance in shipping, turbocharging the digital developments we had so eagerly scoped out over recent years, but in many cases only paid lip service to in terms of tangible investment? In working around the challenges imposed by the current remote working requirements, are digital efficiencies being found, or... Are those suggesting that, in fact, it may delay investment in new tech for the next two to three years, closer to the mark? I'm joined by two experts this week, each representing companies looking at innovation in shipping, albeit from a different perspective and scale. Roger Holm is the president of Vartzilla's international marine power business, and Matt Haider is the CEO of Nautilus Labs, one of the industry's new wave of technology firms that specializes in ocean commerce through artificial intelligence. I start this week by talking to Roger about the new normal and whether these workarounds will last as a more permanent approach to doing business more efficiently. Then I move on to Matt for a view on innovation, entrepreneurship and the opportunities that present themselves in a crisis. Welcome to the podcast, Roger. Thank you very much, Richard. So the Coronavirus restrictions are obviously disrupting all aspects of the industry right now, but perhaps one of the unexpected side effects of the lockdown has been the way in which people are working around problems and actually coming up with, in some cases, better ways of working. Uh, Certainly, we've seen things like remote inspections become the norm, um, but we've got the management of uh, international shipping companies effectively sitting at home, running operations from their kitchen table. We've got new found practices across the industry. Ship management are working in different ways. Class are, are finding innovative solutions around the problems. And I'm I'm rather guessing that uh, you and your uh, uh, team of, of engineers and international workers are, are finding new ways of working. Give us a quick insight in terms of how you're operating, how you've been impacted, and whether you think actually there may be some good to come out of this that we can latch on to. Yeah, thank you, Richard. And I, I think you are absolutely right. I mean, the COVID pandemic overall is, of course, a, a big disaster. But uh, um, there are also some positive items coming out of this that I think will be permanent changes for good. I mean, to start with, I'm I'm sitting at home at the at the moment, like many of our our people are doing that can do so. Of course, all cannot, but quite many actually can do. And it, it in the end, it actually works quite well. I've had meeting with customers this week. I've been meeting with other stakeholders, internal meetings, you name it. And and uh, I think it has forced in general the way we work into a totally accelerated different uh, way. And this will be permanent, I'm 100% sure. We, we will need, need less office spaces in the future. We will we will, for, I can give you an example. I, I had a one hour meeting this week with an external stakeholder. Uh, in the previous world, it would have taken me one day. I would have traveled in the morning, be there for one hour meeting and travel back in the evening. And, and, and it worked perfectly. And I think this is the new normal. So uh, that's one angle of it. I, I also think we save a lot of time and emissions and you name it to, to, to work differently. Then the other angle is, as you mentioned, 
how do we work monitoring remotely the installations? Um, how do we work together with our customers during uh, new build constructions? For example, we we have now taken into use what we call the factory acceptance tests in, in the engine factories, where in most cases before always we have had customers visiting. Now we do virtual factory acceptance tests, so the, the, the customers see the same data, but they see it from the home of their kitchen table or the home of their office uh, in, in a totally different way. And uh, I believe this is the new normal in many ways. Mm. I mean, you started off the year, I think, calling for the industry to work together on uh, a number of, you know, the bigger projects. And we were thinking about big data and the IMO emissions target in, in that context. But this idea that we are now um, working in this new normal of, of, of talking via Skype or, or Zoom or Teams or whatever platform we're using, but we, we, we're sharing more. We're not going to offices. We're not traveling. Do you think that... Um, enhances collaboration in some respects, um, you know, the ability to sort of talk internationally to, to multiple teams on, on a single call, I've heard from other uh, technology suppliers, is actually uh, increasing efficiency rather than uh, hampering anything. I think it's a bit of both. For sure it does, because um, my example earlier with the one hour meeting, of course, you only use one hour and you can do more of the same instead. But we also need to remember, is it then a meeting with own people or customers or partners? At the same time, there is nothing replacing a dinner together or the coffee machine talk or so on. So I think we need to find a balance going forward. Um, and and uh, of course, getting out of the crisis, that's the way it will go. But I also believe that um, looking at, at the shipping in general, it, it will accelerate different developments and now in particular the digital development because this is not just about how we collaborate this will put pressure on cost levels how we operate and so on and and as 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 we have seen in the past there are many things that is what i call disconnected in the in the marine ecosystem i believe this will just accelerate this development even more because we talk about improving the cost uh, cost base and um, now we're accelerating the digital development overall. I think that will happen in Marine as well. Mm. That that idea of this being a catalyst is an interesting one because I mean one of the you know the issues that you and many others have, have raised, of course, is this issue of uh, standardisation and the the requirement for the industry to work in a way that integrates data, allows sharing, and traditionally shipping is is, is still not great at that. It is still a uh, an issue, if not psychologically, then certainly in terms of corporate governance. Um, this period does rather suggest that, that connectivity and, and data is becoming more and more important, even to those who were perhaps paying lip service to such issues before. Do you think that this is really going to be the spur to, to, to shift on, on, on the issue of standardization and using data as a more collaborative tool, I guess? I think we have seen the, the snowball effect starting coming from Finland. Maybe the snowball effect is a good good analogy. Uh, so the snowball effect has started. It has started small, uh, slightly to roll. And, and uh, uh, when the benefits are coming through, I don't think there is anything that's going to stop it. We have seen a change over the years where there were quite big concern about data ownership and how to share it from that I, I think changed already partly before the COVID crisis. 
now it's about how do we connect, how do we collaborate? And the more I talk to different stakeholders, also during the COVID crisis, I think we in the maritime ecosystem, uh, is it then talking to, to ship owners or other equipment suppliers or the yards, I think, uh, and, and as well ports, I think everyone sees the need to take the collaboration to a totally different level. It's not necessarily only about standards, it's about seeing how we connect things in, in a different way, digitally with data and so on. I, I'm 100% sure this will just accelerate. Mm. But of course the flip side to the reason why we're all at home, the reason why we are doing things differently is that we are going through, um, to put it mildly, some economic turbulence. The counter argument, I guess, to the, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, we're going to be doing things more efficiently is, of course, that all your customers are going to be financially hampered. Um, investing in new ideas, in new ways of doing things whilst uh, will, uh, I guess, the, the, the advantage will be um, now obvious to some, the finances will be more restrictive. Do you get the impression that perhaps the brakes are going to be put on new projects? Are you concerned that uh, investment in the future is going to be delayed as people's, you know, perhaps move into survival mode rather than um, thinking more innovatively? Yeah, and and absolutely. Uh, I think in general there is, depending a bit on which vessel segment we look at, there is absolutely uh, things that are going to be put on hold. The segments more affected, they they of course need to be more aggressive than others, but. For sure, everyone looks for cash as we speak now. It's that's that's clear. Mm. Having said that, I think when talking about these, um, uh, if I call them digital investment, where we connect things, they are fairly small in the big picture. Uh, they are they are things that are are not at all in the same scale as talking about building new vessels or huge retrofits or things like that. When we do, for example, the fleet operation solutions that that we, we started heavily last year to, to look at how, how to develop together with, for example, ship ownership management companies. Uh, these are not in the total picture, these are not huge investments, but we start doing the digital connecting the, the, the vessel with onshore, doing uh, more of the things automated, uh, doing automated route optimization, making sure that there is uh, better and automated data flow between vessel and port and so on. All these things are things that will help to optimize and save fuel and emissions, but they are not huge investments. So even if that's the case, what you are saying, you're absolutely correct. There is a lot of scrutiny on the on the cash flow from all sides. But mm. in the big picture, I believe this is also the reason why these things will happen. These are not the biggest investments that are out there. Mm. And in terms of Vatsila itself, uh, you've gone through a, a, a recent sort of reorganization, simplifying the marine business, but um, obviously the, the impact of the, the financial constraints are going to start hurting. I mean, in terms of your division, do you see uh, do you see delays in people pushing out projects? Do you, scrubbers? I mean, are we are we going to see you know the, just a hold on on the existing things, or is there just uh, are things happening but slower? Uh, what, what's the general consensus? Um, I would say so far the biggest impact we have had and what we have seen is on, on the life cycle service side and in particular cruise and ferry segments and and partly offshore as well. These are the segments that are 
mostly hit and we see it immediately in the life cycle service that if the vessels are running less this is impacting us more um, looking at now scrubber retrofits yes the the um, the, uh, the sale of retrofit scrubbers has not been great due to the, uh, the, the fuel spread has, has not been that big lately. And that has been the same for a while. It hasn't changed lately. Um, but the installations of, of scrubbers, we, we had some delays definitely in, in Asia, China uh, during the peak of the COVID crisis in China and the Chinese New Year and connection to that. But I think not only for this one, but but China and, and Asia, looking at the new building activities, they are quite well up and running at the moment. So they, they are coming back after the COVID crisis. And and uh, uh, I think the big question mark now is more on the on the new orders for retrofit scrubbers. But I think that depends a bit on the on the fuel spread going forward then. I won't ask you to uh, make any predictions in terms of oil prices. Please, please don't, please don't. <laughs> All right. Well, for now, uh, Roger Holmes from Vartzilla, uh, thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure to join. It seems that connectivity is king in this coronavirus crisis. The question around maritime technology is really about connecting people quicker, more reliably and in real time, but it's also about leveraging that insight. Nautilus Labs is a tech firm focused on advancing the efficiency of ocean commerce through artificial intelligence. So I started by asking their CEO, Matt Heider, whether coronavirus could actually be catalyzing companies across the supply chain to start leveraging digital technologies. Yeah, I think I think every crisis creates opportunity, you know, to to a certain extent, and it depends on where that opportunity is and, and who it's created for. Um, obviously, I think for our clients today, you know, the the thing that's been a biggest concern since the COVID situation started was really the health and well-being of the seafarers, and and I think we see most of our clients uh, really focused on that um, incredibly intensely in the first month or two. Um, as they've tried to stabilize the conditions for them. But when you look out uh, beyond sort of that human crisis at the, the business um, impact of COVID, it's definitely changing the way companies work. I, I think for Nautilus, just speaking for, for our own business, you know, we already uh, used and leveraged the tools that support distributed workforce, right? So I would say 95 to 97% of all of our client meetings occur over video call already um, as a SaaS platform. Uh, it was already a system that could be enabled and integrated and, and uh, realize value from um, in a remote environment. Um, and all the tools that we use internally as a business are also SaaS tools, whether it's um, AWS to run the platform or GitHub for the code or Slack uh, for internal communications. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, our business was structured well to support this. And, and I think the transition was relatively seamless moving from uh, everyone being in the office together in New York to everyone being in their home separately uh, in the New York area and in Singapore. Um, and I think for our clients, you know, what we see is shipping is historically the, the, the world's first globally distributed industry, right? The, the distributed team challenge of shipping started with crews and shoreside teams being disconnected for, for weeks and months at a time, uh, perhaps. And so the industry is set up to succeed in this, in this new normal. What's different for most of our clients is that everyone 
who is shoreside isn't in the same space right now. They can't swivel their chair and ask a question or um, go up to somebody and, and find more information. And so what that's leading is kind of an acceleration uh, into some of the areas that we've been talking about for a while, which is how can we leverage data to improve transparency and accountability and collaboration inside of teams uh, and then between teams as they're working. I, I think it's really interesting you say it because I think it's fair to say that the the industry has obviously been talking around a lot of these topics for a while. But I think what the last few months has really put into sharp focus is the difference between those that were paying lip service to uh, an imagined future of digitalized efficiency uh, versus those that are actually investing and doing things differently. And I think the, there is a, 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 a an increasing gulf between um, the ones that are now working out what digitalization means in a, in a practical sense versus those that are actually pushing ahead with things that are already underway. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I understand what you're saying. There, there definitely is an element of there being a head start, right? So if, if you were a business that over the last few years has turned digitalization from uh, a buzzword into an actual shift in your operating paradigm and uh, beginning to embrace some level of business transformation that centers around uh, increasing use of technology to drive business outcomes, there, there is an element of this being a time to accelerate the adoption. And I think that's where we see with really large firms, whether it's large firms on the chartering side or large owners, where there's even more intent focus on, okay, we've, we've, we've been keenly interested and invested in doing this before, and now is the time to really embrace it wholesale because it can be our competitive advantage in the market. If you're you know, a smaller business, uh, a more traditional business, one that, um, you know, has maybe considered it before and hasn't taken as much time uh, to focus on adoption because the status quo is good enough. I think an environment like this can make it more difficult. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate as a business in that our solution generally doesn't require uh, capital expenditure. It's an OPEX only model. Um, but for for the businesses that want to begin digitalization now, not ha- we were finding is not having everyone in the same room and being able to collaborate and get into alignment around, um, you know, starting something new, it becomes a, a bigger barrier to entry. So I, I guess the concern I think that I share with you would be that does that gulf widen? You know, does does it to become a, a world where the businesses that have begun to implement true digital strategies are they going to really outpace the other businesses in the market? Um, or will there be an opportunity? Is this more of a warning call um, and a canary in the coal mine and the businesses that have been laggards will begin to adopt more swiftly because they're seeing the the impact of not embracing it sooner? Mm. And how about those that are, I guess, suffering at the moment? I mean, in terms of a willingness to push ahead, I, I'm, I'm speaking to those who are saying it is going to be a catalyst. People have realized that there are better ways of doing this and to some extent, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, people are, are doing things, but there are equally those who are saying, well, actually, no, the industry is um, is going into its shell, it's moving into survival mode. The reality is that all aspects of the industry are going to be uh, swept up in this economic tsunami that, you know, we're seeing. And, and regardless of which sector you're in, everybody's battening down the hatches and anything that can be pushed out will be pushed out. You know, there's two different schools of thought. Where do you, th- which one do you think is, is close to reality or is it just dependent on where you are as a company right now? I, I think a lot of it is context dependent on the reality of the business and the pressures that the business is, is facing, facing to achieve in this market. I, what it, it's, it's hard for me to imagine a universe where 
um, this is a moment to eschew digitalization. When everybody is in their home, telecommuting to work, uh, leveraging tools more often than they did before, simply because they're compelled to, even just the use of tools like Zoom or Teams um, to facilitate meetings, you know, it once was a barrier for us, right? If, if we were calling on a major company in another market like say Greece or, uh, or Germany, you know, there was really a significant push, you know, where you could make a certain amount of traction and get a certain amount of progress in the relationship over video call. But ultimately, we need to see you in person in order to understand um, how we're going to work together. And I think this this environment is is forcing companies out of that comfortable position and forcing them out of the status quo. Um, mm. I think I think the truth in what you're saying is that companies won't invest in digitalization just for digitalization's sake, right? If it's the buzzword, if it's innovation as a buzzword, if it's uh, optimization as a buzzword, then yeah, I think that those projects will fall by the wayside because there's no tangible outcome associated with it. But if there is true, clear business value and it cor correlates to the pain points that, that our clients are seeing today I, or, other, or other companies that aren't clients today are, are seeing, then I think they'll begin to embrace it more rapidly. I also want to talk to you about the concept of entrepreneurship in this time. Fair to say, if we, we look back at the 2008-2009 uh, financial crash, we saw a groundswell of startups and entrepreneurs coming out of that period. The ability to match smart ideas with smart money really accelerated and catalyzed uh, some new ways of doing things. The idea here, I guess, is that we could see the same effect, but are we going to have the availability of capital to get these smart ideas off the ground? Do you think there is an opportunity? What's your what's your feeling as a, as an entrepreneur who has recently come into this industry? It, yeah, I, it, it's it's a smart question to be asking. My my sense is that um, it's there's really three different components to it. So one is you know if you're already an entrepreneur in space and you're already a startup, um, the focus has to be around. Um, generating real revenue um, and ensuring your financial future so that, you know, like you said, there is um, an economic tsunami at play. There is, uh, you know, the old adage of a rising tide uh, raises all, all boats uh, applies in a down market. And so, you know, the, the prospect of global recession means that businesses need to be prepared uh, to weather the storm. I think, we're, you know, we're fortunate um, in that we are. And I think if you're an entrepreneur in the space, that becomes ever more important. Um, and it harkens to the, the the observation from earlier, right? That you know, really, what's going to happen is a you know a more keen focus on outcomes, on delivering value, on quantifying that value. Um, and I think entrepreneurs who focus on that will be successful in the course of this time because what is true, and, it, and this is to the heart of really what you're, you've been talking about, is this environment creates new challenges and it can amplify challenges that already existed. And so anytime that there are problems to solve and, and pain to be washed away with technology, it creates an environment for entrepreneurs to not just uh, survive, but to thrive. And so, yeah. you know, it's all context dependent on, on the problem being solved and the team doing it um, and where they are in, the, in their growth cycle. But I think what we'll see coming out of COVID is that there are some uh, startups that really prove their value, prove themselves as an essential partner in the most essential industry in the world. Wonderful. Matt Hyde, the Chief Executive of Nautilus Labs. Thank you very much for joining the Lloyd's List podcast. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure.